You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. I'm Mike Lunsford, and this is Mike Explores, a podcast venture where I try to answer questions about the world around us. When we started the Great Geek Refuge in 2014, the goal was to have a place where all geeky, nerdy people could gather and discuss the things they loved to geek out about without gatekeeping or fear of being shouted down, having to listen to racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic hate dressed as criticism of media. It was always meant to be a safe space. But we tended to avoid politics. It was a failing in our upbringing, as many of us were taught not to discuss it, or religion for that matter, because it was impolite. Somewhere along the way, I mean, right around the time Trump became president, coincidentally, it became clear that avoiding politics was not something we could do if we stood for inclusivity and wanted to be ambassadors for the geeky nerdy world, especially for what we felt was the right way to do things and the right way to treat people. I created Mike Explorers to be a venture into that, to explore more about politics and the world around us, as the intro stated, as I was not experienced with politics in really any sort of way. That is why we have a special return engagement from someone I met while they were campaigning for public office here in Virginia, and that's Cosmer Sheet. I wanted to talk to Kasim again because a lot had changed in the two years since we had last spoke, and, well, you can hear for yourself in the interview. Here's my interview with human rights lawyer and advocate, campaign manager, and overall political figure, Kasim Rashid. So we're not going to do like a formal start, like where it's like, hi, this is who I am, and this is my podcast, um, because you've already been on once before Kasim, so like, I yeah. don't feel like we need the formality as much, but like... I was saying offline to you before we started recording, this is such a weird coincidence that two years ago to this day is when we recorded the last podcast that we did for you. And that, like, that blows on mine. I, I didn't realize that yeah. at all. And I, I do a, a fair number of podcasts in a given month. I um, I enjoy them I and mean, I enjoy the conversation. So it's kind of cool to, to catch up with you two years later. Yeah, it, it is. And, and thank you so much for for coming on. Um, so we will do an informal introduction. It's another episode of Mike Explores. Um, so one of the things that I that I aspired to do with this podcast is I wanted to explore the things that I don't know enough about that I feel like I should, um, or things that I'm really curious about. And I'm fortunate to have somebody who kind of give you the backstory on this. So Qasem Rashid is one, he's a lawyer, two, he um, is, can I say political figure? Does that fit? If it works for you, that's fine. Well, does it work for you? You're the guy, so I want to make sure it like. You know, I it's it's gonna sound weird. I, I don't really pay too much attention to how other people. Uh, if, if it makes you uh, yeah. uh, connect, great. Let's go for it. Uh, I, I, there's nothing derogatory about it. It's a positive thing. So yeah, yeah I'll take it. Okay, and that's and that and I figured that we would see kind of eye to eye on this one with with that. But it was more so like, I'm just impressed with what you've done in the time that you've really like made a name for yourself. Um, so for those unfamiliar, like I said, two years ago this time, we did an interview with Kasim when he was running for uh, public office here in the state of Virginia. Um, it was for uh, House of Representatives. Um, unfortunately, he, he didn't win, but we're gonna talk about that a little bit uh, too. But one of the things that really 
in, like impressed me and inspired me to like kind of see where your career went was I had reached out at one point to your Facebook page and didn't get a response. And I, I responded back just on a whim. And I was like, hey, I reached out. I never heard anything. So I'm just curious about that. And you personally responded. And I figured it would have been somebody who was like working on your staff. But like that meant a lot to me. And I think I, I thought it was emblematic of something that a lot of people, you hear the the right um, the conservative side say a lot, like they're not interested in representing us. They're, they're not here for us. They're, they, they have bigger things. Look at these big houses they've bought and things like that. And they try to do this us first them mentality. And like, you completely shot that whole thing to pieces with one Facebook message that was like, <laughs> I never saw this dude. I'm sorry. And I like, I was, that me, just really impressed me. I think it gave me way too much credit. I, I actually, uh, probably get more messages than I can handle. And I do my best to respond uh, as much as I can. Uh, every now and then, uh, really thoughtful messages from folks like you slip through and I feel terrible about it. But one of the things that I've tried to do in the past is be accessible. Um, you know, you get these requests from companies to say, hey, you know, you should you should get on uh, this app or that app where people can spend, you know, $50 and spend 15 minutes talking to you directly. And, and my thing has always been, uh, that's silly. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, the kind of person who considers myself on some pedestal. Uh, if I'm offering a service, right, as a lawyer, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, because then I'm providing an actual service. But, you know, just to, to have access to me, give me money, I, I've, I've always found that kind of silly. And so anytime I can, I, I love to, to connect and dialogue. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly extremely flawed, but I, I definitely have the intent to make sure I um, I reach out to folks and, and be accessible and continue the dialogue as best as possible. I wanted to ask you about the campaign. Um, yes. It was actually the first time in my life that I actually volunteered to work on somebody's amazing. campaign um, because I was inspired. I was like, this is the kind of person I want representing representing me and representing my, my area of Virginia. Um, and, and, and as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, you didn't you didn't win. Um, how hard was that to have to deal with not winning? You know, there's a difference between disappointment and regret. I, I can handle disappointment. I can't handle regret. And the nice thing about that is that you can control whether you have regrets or not. Um, disappointment is kind of out of your control. Uh, because you know, you want something, you don't get it. You feel disappointed as human. I, I can manage that. Um, but for me, it was about running a campaign that was unassailable, that I could look back two years, 10 years, 20 years and say, yeah, we did that with integrity. That most importantly, when my kids get older and they look back at the marketing and the advertisements and everything we put out there, they can say, yeah, our dad did it right. He may not have won, but he did it right. And, you know, we were attacked uh, on my faith. There were racist attacks. I got death threats, you name it, uh, all stemming from my opponent who was you know, full on MAGA, full on promoting white supremacy and some really nasty things that were just beneath the dignity of public office. I think beneath the dignity of any human being, but that was his shtick. And, you know, we knew we had an uphill battle. And at the end of the day, we did not win. Uh, the, the, the positive takeaways were we had about 45,000 more votes than any Democrat in the history of the district. Wow. It's about a 25, I mean, we had more votes in our loss than some Democrats had in their win. 
So we definitely turned out a, a new base. We definitely inspired people. We had a lot of folks, you know, uh, Republicans vote for us. Um, and 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 the second uh, thing is that you know we did it the right way. We didn't take any corporate money. We didn't take any dark money. We we had we had thirty one thousand. 31,000 donors to the campaign. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's more donors than than my opponent had had in his entire time in Congress, 14 years in Congress combined. Uh, we did that in one cycle. So um, the, the disappointment was there because I really did want to win and serve the, 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 the first district, serve my fellow Americans to the best of my ability. But we're going to live to fight another day. And I have no regrets because we ran an honest, ethical, dignified campaign and uh i'm i'm proud of that i'm proud of our team they did a phenomenal job our campaign manager finance director everybody down to you know the frontline uh, door knockers uh we loved every bit of it and i wouldn't change a second of it um for any reason yeah i mean and that's that's really good to hear too and like that's one of the things that i've been impressed with across the board is even in the face of what is sometimes overwhelming um we mentioned Bef like as we started talking that like sometimes you just disconnect from social media um for me i disconnect from it because the news is just so tough to take and like the people's response to it and just the just the visceral responses that you get from people who are very i don't want to disparage them but it often feels like they're just they're repeating back talking points they've heard from places like fox news or from elected officials. And it's just so inspired by hate and malice and like ill intent. For me, a lot of times I have to disconnect because of that. It's like, I can't deal with this. I need to watch like a Disney movie or something. <laughs> like <laughs> this is just too much to deal with. And like, how do you keep that hopefulness? Because honestly, a lot of the messages that you were talking about in 2019 and 2020, like they're coming to fruition now and we're seeing that it, it starts it, it started as a groundswell and now we're really starting to see that this is what america wants like the voices are there yeah you were speaking for the people basically look i, I think it's it it comes down to framing in your mind of why you're doing what you're doing um i never viewed running for office as some personal accolade where i can say look at how great i am i, I won the seat for office that's never been uh, a top five priority Certainly, every person has an ego, and it, it, there's an honor in that space. And I think you should have, a, you know, a sense of pride that you would be elected to represent. So that that is there, but my top priority has always been, from a humanitarian perspective, I'm a human rights lawyer. How how do I create a world where there's economic justice, there's racial justice, there's gender justice? How do we create a world where people have meaningful access to shelter, education, healthcare, food, water, clothing? And I don't just randomly mention those six things. That that's kind of the core. That that if we can create a society where these core foundational elements of society are insured, or where access is available to people, regardless of faith, color, creed, economic status, immigration status, then what we do is what we've done with that kind of a society. And this the models prove this throughout history proves this is we've created a society where people have upward mobility, where illness, mental health is at an all-time low. Uh, uh, mental uh, illness and, 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 and you know, physical health uh, is, is protected. Crime is at an all-time low. Uh, one of the key drivers of, of crime uh, is poverty and lack of access. And 
most importantly in my book, we create a society that allows the true potential of every person to come forth. And, and what I mean by that is if a child, one in nine children right now are food insecure, if a child is worrying about his or her next meal, do you really think they're going to be able to understand the Pythagorean theorem? Do you really think they're going to care who shot Abraham Lincoln? If, if a parent is worried about uh, putting uh, food on the table for their kid, do you really think they can handle what's happening in a political election? Right? I mean, we only have so much headspace to, to manage things. Yeah. And so a lot of my frustrations with politics, more so with Republicans, is this mentality that providing people basic human rights is socialism or communism or it's, it's anarchy. It's, it's such a nonsense propaganda claim when we know for a fact that providing people support for these basic foundational issues of healthcare, education, uplift society, they create more innovation. If you want, you want to talk about capitalism and rewarding people, that's how you do it, by providing them the basic infrastructure to build upon. And then you can see new ideas, new businesses generate, new innovations, new developments, new opportunities, new jobs. And that is what's being stifled. And so, so all that context to, to, to answer your, your very important question that the reason why I don't let these trolls or death threats or nastiness impact me is because my whole framing is so far beyond them. I don't care about their petty insults. I don't care about their petty squabbles. I'm more focused on how do we create a society where every person has access to basic human dignity. Look, I'm a person of faith. I think I'll be called to account one day for my actions. And I think the best example, uh, the best way I can exemplify my faith is not by uh, pointing at scripture, but by demonstrating actions of service to humanity. And that's what I'm focused on. So people can, you know, cry and moan and scream and propagandize and, and, and send death threats all they want. I, I don't actually care. What I care about is how can we make sure every human being out there has access to this basic human dignity. And until that's taken care of, I, I see my work as incomplete. I, I have a lot more work to do. Are you not in the office, dude? Like that was so <laughs> that was so inspirational. Right. Like that's yeah, that dead on. Like I, I've I've talked to people before when they um at, at work. I'm not gonna disclose that just because I don't I don't want to. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But like I, I work in an office environment, and it's with a lot of different people. And a lot of times we'll be, start talking about things. And we'll talk about like uh, universal healthcare, and they're like, "Well, I don't understand why I should have to pay for other people." And I say, "It's not about that, but like, you do realize that you're doing that with your health insurance right now, don't you?" And they're right. like, "You already what? are." And then I explain it to them, um, and they're like baffled by this. And mm -hmm. like, on top of that, I've always thought that like, if we did have those basic rights covered, that that opens us up to do the things that we were meant to do, the things that we want to do. Because yes. if you don't have to concern yourself with that, you won't have to work at a job that you hate. And kind of like, it's this chain reaction sort of thing. Like you were mentioning, like if you're starving, you know, how are you gonna, you know, A, no a squared plus B squared equals C squared? Like you yep. have bigger issues to worry about. Yep. And if you can take that out of the equation, then that opens up everybody. And like my, my kind of follow-up question to this is, I'm not trying to get all conspiracy conspiracy theory on this, but like, do you think that this is part of the problem? Is that it's made to be like this? That it's made to keep people 
repressed and made made to keep people like because if we did have universal health care there would be a lot of people that don't work the garbage jobs that they work because they wouldn't have to worry about that is, is this why it is the way it is so i learned something new recently that made me chuckle but makes perfect sense we're all taught that the boston tea party was because americans were sick of the high taxes for the british and they said, screw it, we're going to teach them a lesson and throw all this tea into the harbor and let them know that we're, we're sick of their tyranny. But the actual story, and this is not to defend British imperialism, but the actual story is that that riot, that uh, opposition occurred because the British lowered taxes on the tea. And the smugglers, the powers that be, the influencers were upset that by lowering taxes, it hurt their competition. And so they incited the masses to commit that riot. And the two things I find really funny about that is one, we've been taught the exact opposite yeah. throughout school. And two, this ability, and this goes to your question, this ability of unethical people to get people to vote against their own interests is truly remarkable. I mean, even right now, the same people that pushed a tax cut, 90% of which went to the top 1%, are upset about a student loan cut, 90% of which is going to people who make under $75,000 a year. Yeah. And so I think part of it is deliberate. If you look at the way our government was set up, you've got an electoral college that has nothing to do with the will of the people. It has everything to do with maintaining land power. You have a Senate, which has nothing to do with population, everything to do with wealth and land ownership. Um, and, and, and you have a gerrymandering system that, again, has nothing to do with the will of the people, has everything to do with maintaining minority rule. Uh, you've got an economic system of trickle-down scam, scamonomics, where according to this remarkable study by the Rand Corporation, over the last, since the trickle-down scam began in the 1980s, $50 trillion of wealth has been redistributed from the bottom 90% to the top 1%. None of this is stuff that people know. Uh, you talk about the legacy of redlining and Jim Crow. Uh, black wealth has increased only 1% since uh, the Civil Rights Act, uh, Act was enacted. Only 1%. Uh, the median black family's wealth is $3,600. The median white family's wealth is $147,000. Uh, and all that goes back to, to, to redlining. So so for me, you know, th this core element, and I think you've really struck at it, of economic justice, economic viability, um, equity. This is the core message that we need to get out there, that stop voting against your own interest. Stop voting for people who are funded by billionaires and corporations and, and, and dark money packs. And start working to support people into office who truly do fight for working people, who are funded by working people. Because uh, if we don't activate for these midterms, my genuine fear is we're not going to have another free and fair election again. It's scary. That that really, really frightens me. And that there are people that are messaging, like Arizona is kind of like the, uh, the litmus test for this that I'm seeing right now, where um, the conservative nominee is completely buying into 
the rigged election things and is standing on stage with a sledgehammer in their hand saying, first thing I'm going to do when I get elected is smash those voting machines. Like the, the messaging and the branding is just, it's so based in nonsense because they did, they paid for their own investigation into this. And then the investigation showed that the votes were biased towards Trump. And yeah. it just was baffling to me that like, they're still just bought into this nonsense. And like, it is scary. The whole concept of not being able to have free elections is really frightening. We're seeing it in Georgia right now because yeah. after Georgia showed that they can have a massive impact on the election, it's like the conservative side is punishing the state. Well, the, well you know, all of you people voted against what a few of us wanted. So we're going to punish you and make it harder to vote. And we're going to put Herschel Walker, who is literally just spouting everything Trump tells him to say, and like is showing that he's probably not even like a good option for candidacy for so many different reasons. And he's leading Raphael Warnock. It's it's scary. It is really scary to see. One of the remarkable hypocrisies when I uh, ran for Congress is that my opponent, the same night he claimed victory over me, uh, denounced Biden's victory over Trump, claiming it was a rigged election. So somehow it was a rigged election, but only for the top of the ticket, but not for his election. Somehow this magical <clears throat> you know, fraud uh, found a way to impact only the presidential election, but not his election. So his was legitimate. But Biden's was illegitimate, and you know yeah. it's it's parody, right? It's nonsense. If you went to a to Hollywood and said, "I've got a script for a movie, and here's a punchline," they would say that's the stupidest, most unrealistic thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, but that's literally what's what's happening, and and you know that's why I say voting alone isn't enough. <clears throat> people say voting doesn't matter, uh, and I, I disagree with them. But I think the reason why people have that perception is because they think that. Voting is the the panacea, just the the the, the magical cure for everything. Yeah. And I liken voting to showing up for a marathon the day of the marathon without any training. Like, yeah, you might eventually complete it, but it's going to be a, a really painful marathon. The the way you run a marathon isn't by showing up the day of the marathon. You start training nine months before, a year before, build yourself up and then come ready to run that marathon. And, and and voting and democracy is the same way. John Lewis said, you know, democracy is not a state, it's an act. Voting is just a final, you know, cherry on top to make sure that democracy is complete. But you need to be knocking doors, making phone calls, sending text messages, sending out smoke signals, pigeon couriers, I don't know, whatever your talent is, but you need to be engaged on a level well beyond election day and then the final cherry on top of voting to, you know, put put the put the final nail in the coffin of, of extremism is when voting matters most. But if you think that by doing nothing all year round and just showing up on election day is enough, then you're you're missing the plot. Oh, 100 um, percent. This is a perfect segue into this. So you can't just show up on election day and expect anything. And first off, I'm impressed. I, I got to say that you have. I'm going to name off a couple of people here. Mark Ruffalo, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Wilson Cruz, uh, Alyssa Milano, uh, Soledad O'Brien. Um, you have Patricia Arquette, Patton Oswald, Andy Richter, George Takei, Wanda Sykes, like basketball, former basketball player Rex Chapman. These are the people that follow you on Twitter. And like, that's amazing <laughs> to me. But yeah, they are. You you have 352,000 followers on Twitter. 
like you're building this brand you're building this like not narrative because narrative makes it sound like it's not who you are but like you're building this name for yourself with these radical ideas of treating people like humans god forbid is this something because i know right now you're working on some other things and you're helping some other people which which we'll, we'll get to that in a second but because you're building this brand you're building this name and you're showing that you pardon my language you give a shit about people is this something that you might revisit? Because again, like it seems like you have the wave on your side of, of revisiting. Because I, again, I think that your voice is one unique, but two, like the voice of compassion for all people is something that we should all get behind. Do you uh, feel yeah. that like what happened in Virginia, sorry, um, do you yeah. feel like what happened in Virginia was just not a fluke, but like, like Lincoln, for instance, Lincoln ran for office how many times before he became president? Like, I think he lost every election. About like, it, times, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. is this something that is just a, this is just a bump in the road for you and that you're looking to do something like this down the road or are you happy where you're at right now? Both, both. I'm, I'm, I, I have, uh, made it, made myself a promise. My wife and I talk, my wife, Aisha, and I talk about this a lot that I think one of the biggest mistakes that, uh, people make and i've certainly made it is to live in the future to say when i have this accomplishment then i'll be happy yeah, uh, yeah when i achieve this level of income or this size of a house or this type of relationship then i'll be happy and i think that's a dangerous way to live because what ends up happening is if if you get to that point you may not and if you don't then you're perpetually in a state of dissatisfaction and that grows on you and it gnaws at you and it tears you down but if you are fortunate enough to receive that level of accomplishment then 99 times out of 100 you're gonna say oh okay um that's it you know and and, and you're gonna want something greater because it's, it's human nature to want to advance and grow and so so i am living in the moment enjoying life as it is right now, loving life as it is. Not to say I don't have struggles or problems. Of course, everybody does. Yeah. But I'm enjoying the moment, right? I'm enjoying watching my kids grow up, watching my son run cross country, watching my my other son uh, get obsessed with engineering, watching my daughter get obsessed with bunnies and 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 everything that a first grader gets obsessed with. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it, right? I love every aspect of it. Uh, that said, I'm also looking to how do I build an infrastructure for the future. And so, yeah, I, I, absolutely, I, I intend to run at some point in the future. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And I don't see the 2020 run for Congress as a, as a, like I said, no regrets. It's not a bump in the road. It's not a, it's not a comma. It was a pivotal learning experience, uh, a, an extraordinarily successful campaign. You know, we, if you remember, there was a five-way primary. Yeah. And, and we won that primary when we weren't supposed to. Uh, polling had us down two weeks before the, the primary election. We were down ten points. And we activated and organized, ended up winning by five points, right? So I'm proud of what we did in that space. Um, and, and there's a lot to, to learn from that. So all that to say is that I think it's important to both be content with where you are now in terms of being happy with the journey, uh, but then also aspire for that next level. But don't let your happiness be contingent upon achieving the next level. Uh, make sure your happiness is reflective of the fact that you're alive and well and you're doing your best every single day that you have in front of you right now. I alluded to it before. Um, 
tell our listeners what you're working on right now because I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't I didn't realize that until I looked at your Facebook page and I was like, oh, that's what he's working on. That's also why he was saying Central Time. I'm like, wait, I thought he was in Virginia. Oh, wait, no. Like, I, I I'm working on like a, like ten different projects. Which one are you referring to? Um, that you are a campaign manager right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got um, um, an amazing opportunity. Ben, Dr. Benny White uh, is just a remarkable person. He is a West Point grad, 20-year Army officer, veteran, um, PhD in, uh, in, in business administration. Um, he's been in elected office on the local level for the last decade, and now he's running for mayor of Naperville. Naperville is the third largest city in Illinois. It is, uh, uh, it is a city that has never had a Democrat as a mayor and has never had a non-white person as mayor. Uh, so he'd be the first uh, black person, first Democrat in Nipville's 200-year history, nearly 200-year history, to be elected mayor. And what's particularly interesting about Naperville never having a Republican, uh, I'm sorry, Naperville never having a Democrat as a mayor, is that it's a very blue city. It's at least a D plus 10 or more city. At least that's how it votes on the presidential elections. You know, it's a, the Democrat wins with, you know, 58, 60% of the vote consistently. Um, and so it's long past due. Uh, he's a phenomenal candidate, uh, an even better human being. And uh, he asked me to serve as his campaign manager. And I said, yeah, I would love to. That'd be, that'd be awesome. And so we're hitting the ground running. And for those who follow me on, on Twitter and social media, you know, I'll be putting out a fundraising ask soon if you want to get involved and help make history. But regardless, uh, it's exciting to be part of an amazing team. So now I want to hear about some of these other nine projects that you're working on as well. <laughs> So, some some I can't talk about just yet. Okay. Uh, so, some I'd be happy to. I, I've got a pack, Common Purpose, where we're supporting candidates around the country. Uh, we supported 10 candidates this year. Four of them won their primaries. Uh, of those 10 candidates, it was nine women, um, one guy, uh, nine people of color. Um, so the goal of the pack is to support women and people of color in particular. Uh, four women uh, made past the, the contested primaries. And they're all in prime position to flip red seats blue around the country. And so we're super, super excited about that. I wanted to talk about, um, I hate, I hate talking about, it. I hate even saying his name because he's not in office anymore. And honestly, I just want the specter of his four year term to just be gone. But it, 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 it inundates our world, especially because of what's going on in the legal system right now. And that's uh, former president uh, Trump. With everything that's coming out now, with everything that we're seeing, with the the January sixth committee, with the uh, FBI investigation, um, how confident are you that we as a country are going to do the right thing? Because I feel like after what he did and the things that he did to this country and to its infrastructure, but honestly, like just to democracy at large, like I feel that something needs to be done. Like I don't want to say made an example. He needs to be made an example, but he does need to see repercussions for what he did how how confident are you that we're going to be able to do that that we're going to be able to hold him accountable for what he did it's too hard to say uh, i i will say this uh, i think one of the biggest mistakes our nation made and there have been many in terms of con accountability was letting richard nixon off the hook if richard nixon had been held accountable and gone to prison for the crimes he committed it would have sent a message that the president is not above the law. And it would have created a narrative, an accurate narrative, that just because you're president doesn't mean you're a king or a dictator. And if you commit a crime, you will 
suffer the consequences of that. He was not held accountable. I mean, resigning from the office of the presidency to live a life of luxury is not consequences. I'm sorry. And you can draw a straight line from his corruption and the people who enabled his corruption and learned from his corruption and supported his corruption to the people supporting Trump. Like Roger Stone is one straight yeah. line. There's many. I was gonna, yeah, yeah, he literally is, is tied to both, yeah. And and so in my book, that, that was a, a grave, grave error committed by the powers that be at that time. And should that mistake be repeated, then uh, I think we're going to see an undermining of democracy on a level that uh, we may not be able to recover from. Um, that That's my assessment. And, and so I hope A.G. Garland uh, acts. Um, it, it's obvious that if Donald Trump were any other person than the president, he would be in prison right now. That, that much is clear. Yeah. Um, and, and so so it, it's hard to say. John Dingell, former congressman from uh, Michigan, had a great quote. It's the first lesson I ever learned, learned in law school. He said that when it comes to the law, you write the substance, I'll write the procedure, and I'll screw you every time. And so the substance of the law can say, you know, murder is bad. But if I get to define how the law is applied and who it's applied to, then you can get away with murder. And that's what we're seeing here, right? Stealing classified documents is bad. I mean, Reality Winner went to prison for five years for leaking one classified document of actual wrongdoing by the United States government. She suffered five years in prison. Um, and, and now we're seeing uh, Chelsea Manning, same thing. She leaked a couple of documents and she went to prison for it. Now we're seeing Donald Trump taking hundreds of documents. We don't know what he did with them. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they're also in other parts of his uh, estates around the world, around the country. We don't know who he sold them to. We don't know where this $2 billion deal for Jared Kushner came from. We don't know any of this stuff. But we know that he took them, and we know that he had them illegally, and we know that a ton of people who shouldn't have access to them got access to them, and we know that these things were so classified that even people at the top level of our national security didn't know they existed. But he had them lying around Mar-a-Lago like they were used napkins after a trip to Wendy's, which we probably found those at Mar-a-Lago as well. Um, so if there's not accountability, then I, I don't know what law and order means anymore. And and that's the scary part, because yeah. if, if A.G. Garland doesn't act with uh, expediency, then I, I, I it's hard to say where our country's going to go in the future, because this is not something that um, countries typically recover from. That's that's my biggest worry. And like I found that as the older I get, the more I turn into the typical old man where I'm yelling at the TV when I'm watching news because I'm so mad at watching yeah. what's happening. And like yeah. the fact the fact that he says these most the most ridiculous things and people believe it. He's like, I can declassify anything I want. I'm, I'm thinking like, about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about it right now. Like wh what kind of nonsense is that? It's just it just screams of privilege to me because it screams of somebody who has been able to do this his entire life and no one has ever held him accountable for it. And like there was, I was uh, watching a TikTok where they were talking about uh, him when he was in prep school and that like he got like demoted from his position because it was like a military prep school. He got demoted from his position, but when everybody asked, uh, like talked to him about it, he's like, no, I was promoted. I was promoted to this other level. And they're like, that's not true. You were demoted. You were removed from your position. No, 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 I was promoted. And you can't prove that I wasn't like, no one calls it, it's it's like it's like a, a little kid who does something wrong and you never correct them for it they're just going to keep doing it over and over and over again and it's frightening to see and yeah. like 
I don't want to say brainwashed. I, I hate saying that word, but like seeing so many people believe what he's saying and continue to believe what he's saying, even when the facts are presented to them, I don't know how to combat that. How do you deal with that? When you see that they're just, they're spouting nonsense. It's none of it's true. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime a guy is fabricating Time Magazine covers to make himself look more important, uh, he's not hes not stable. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. Uh, to answer your question, I, I don't uh, try to convince them uh, for two reasons. One, uh, there's a, I, I think it's a Native American proverb. Uh, I don't want to misattribute it, but I think the meaning will be clear when I, once I say it, that you can't wake up someone pretending to be asleep. And that's the way I feel about those who believe in this QAnon conspiracy nonsense. You can't wake up someone who's pretending to be asleep because there's nothing you can say to wake them up because it is in their vested interest to pretend to remain asleep. They don't want to be heard. Mark Twain also said, it's easier to fool someone than to convince them that they've been fooled. And, and so these folks have been fooled and that's what Trump has done. He's fooled them. But it's much easier for him to fool them than to convince them that, hey, you've been duped by a con man. So one, I, I, I don't particularly spend too much of my time on those folks. No. I do, however, engage in what I call collateral education. The philosophy behind that is that the person that I'm talking to uh, could be a troll, could be a bot, could be somebody who just doesn't really give a damn, for lack of a better word. But they're spouting propaganda that is having an influence. And so if I can use that as a learning lesson for the public who's observing and watching to say, oh, that's how you respond to that propaganda, then I'll engage in that. And I've had numerous occasions where someone has sent me some hateful propaganda and I've responded to it in a manner, not trying to convince them, but to present an answer for the public so that they're armed with education and they can then disseminate that education on their own to their own circles as well that i found to be very effective and then the third thing is i think that the time that we often spend having these debates with these online trolls could be so much better spent activating somebody who might be feeling hopeless or might be feeling apathetic or may not know what the process is to register to vote or to get involved imagine if instead of spending two hours a week dealing with these trolls you spent it getting people registered to vote, that's 104 hours a year, right? That's that's five days of perpetual work or four days of perpetual work getting someone to vote. That's huge. That's massive. It's seismic. It's paradigm shifting. And so I, I think those are the kind of three ways to look at it. That one, you're not going to wake up someone pretending to be asleep. Two, if you can engage them, do it in a manner that can educate the public and give them more information to better uh, protect them and their circle against propaganda. And three, rather than waste that time arguing with random trolls, um, channel that energy into something productive. So like you said, we're not just yelling at the TV screen, but we're yelling at our friends and family and, and getting them involved uh, in a way that's gonna make a meaningful difference long-term. Absolutely. I wanna spend the last couple of minutes here talking about some things that are a little more fun. Um, so that you don't, because uh, I'm sure you you live and breathe this 24-7, so I want to get a little insight into some of the things um, that uh, you're doing that are not um, trying to fix our world. Um, you, you have experience in both the Illinois, Chicago area, but also here in Virginia, 
Um, yeah. Like the Richmond, you know, like Fredericksburg area. That's what yeah, we're lived, Yeah, lived there for, for 10 years. Yeah. If you had to compare, okay, because right now you're in Illinois, correct? Yeah. That's where I grew um, up. Yeah. Food wise, what do you miss from Fredericksburg? Or I'm sorry, from Virginia. What what is what does Virginia have food wise that that you that you are like, man, Illinois just doesn't compare. I, I love this coffee shop in Fredericksburg called Agora. Yeah, I, I went there often. They're uh, white chocolate mocha with blueberry. Um, it's look, it's it's my feminine side coming out. I love it though. It's it's so good. It's yeah. so good. I could I could drink, just inject that in my veins. That place was fantastic. <laughs> um, and then um, yeah, so that that's. I, I, I'm big on coffee spots. So whenever I travel internationally a lot, and so I, I always go and I don't drink alcohol. I never had a drop. So for me, my vice is is uh, coffee. Not because I'm like a caffeine addict. In fact, coffee doesn't actually wake me up. It has no impact on me, but it's just something to do. Yeah. It's like my version of smoking, I guess. Um, uh, and so I, I'll, I'll go, you know, coffee bar hopping, if that makes sense. And <laughs> Agora was one recommended to me by yeah. a friend, and so I missed that. So next time I come back, I'm gonna have to stop by there. Yeah, Agora. I, I do like Agora. I, I love the the local feel to it. That's interesting that you say that about caffeine not having that effect on you. Um, I learned this not too long ago um, as somebody who grew up with ADHD that people with ADHD often turn to coffee because unlike it being a stimulant like it is for most people, it actually just helps kind of like clear the fog and helps us think straight. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it's been, you essentially self-medicate is what you do. You just don't even realize it. But like no, that's, really. no, as I, I've gotten I, older, coffee has become, I don't want to say like a crutch, but like oftentimes when I'm like, man, I'm having problems thinking straight. Like I get a cup of coffee and it just kind of cuts through the fog. Really? Yeah. yeah I don't know. For me, it's weird. I, 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 I thank God I never did any kind of drugs or anything like that because uh, even painkillers don't really have an impact on me. Like I, I've been prescribed Vicodin for, for surgery and for other stuff. And I'm like, this is not helping in the yeah. least bit. <laughs> so what do I do? So I, I don't know what it is, but whatever the case for me, the coffee is more about just having something uh, to do. And it's like when the month of Ramadan comes and, and you're fasting all day from sunrise to sunset, the, the not having coffee part is the hardest part, not because I need to wake up, but because I'm like, what do I do with my hands? What do I do in the meantime? <laughs> um. So flip flip the question that I asked you before. Um, going back to Illinois, what were you like? Man, I'm back. I've got to get this first. Like, what's your like? Because that's home for you. Like, it is. You're, yeah. So like, what was the thing you were like? As soon as I get back, I have to go to this spot, or I have to I, order this food, or my my high school hangout spot, and it's still there. Uh, is this place called Flips Gyros, yeah. and it is it's just the best gyros you'll ever have in your entire life. It's fantastic, yeah. and it's been kept under private ownership. Uh, so you know the food is authentic and good, and I've 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 probably been there like 800 times since I've been back, and spent all my money there. It's really really good. Uh, so that's that was a good spot. Yeah. Uh, there's another place. It's a chain called Portillo's, which was yes. amazing. They have them in Orlando now, and when we go on vacation, we're going to go there for the first time. I'm super excited. So so I, I hope you have a good experience because I'm finding it to be hit or miss now. I'll be honest. Really? I grew up, and it was the best burger. I mean. It, Portillo's burgers when I was growing up, they're still pretty good now. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, and I would still put them as a top tier burger. But like they would, they are to Five Guys burgers what Five Guys burgers are to cardboard. I mean, it, they're they're that good. Wow. And okay. and I love them. And so I'm a little disappointed. I don't blame the guy Dick Portillo who founded the chain back in the '60s. He sold it for a billion dollars. I'm like, look, if I if I started a company, ran it for 40 years, and was ready to retire, and somebody offered me a billion, I'd probably take it too. But um, it, it still is very good food. I, I still would highly recommend it.
Yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things, but I'll have to keep my eyes open and hopefully we get a hit and not a miss when we when we do try it. Yeah. Um as far as are you are you a sports fan? Huge. Are you is your allegiance then to like the Chicago teams then? Yeah, I mean, I grew up I mean, you're talking to a kid who grew up in the 90s watching Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I mean, hey, that's not even fair. Yeah, now I get yeah. it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think everybody was a Bulls fan in the 90s, though. Exactly, like, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, Bulls. And then, uh, you know, uh, baseball, I'm, I'm basically fair weather. Whoever's doing better, I'll, I'll, I'll root for them. Haven't really followed the NFL in a while for, for many obvious reasons, but uh, definitely a big sports fan. Yeah, no, I am I am too. And, like, I've, I have fallen out of favor with, with football. I just, I can't. I can't stomach it like I used to. Take the yeah. words out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's really, really hard. Like um the, the most recent thing is, is you saw the quarterback from the Miami Dolphins suffer a head injury after having yeah. a head injury the week before and only having yeah. four days rest. And it was just it, it turned my stomach. I was like, I can't watch this in good conscience, especially like knowing all that we know about CTE. But that's beside the point. Yep. Um <clears throat> I wanted to ask you, okay, so as a person who runs a geeky nerdy website. Um, I guarantee you anybody listening to this is going to be mad if I don't ask you these questions. Um, sure. If you have to choose one, um, Star Wars or Star Trek, which one are you choosing? Star Trek. Star Trek? You're more of a Star I like Trek Star guy? Wars, but, but I, I grew up watching The Next Generation yeah. as like a religious ritual. I, I love Patrick Stewart. Um, Will Wheaton is actually a good friend now. And so really? I, yeah. I got to I got to meet him in Orlando coincidentally. I was yeah. standing in line for a roller coaster and like I, I'm looking and I'm like, I think that's Will Wheaton. And my wife's like, <laughs> not every dude with a beard is Will Wheaton. I'm like, that's hang on. I looked on Instagram and it was totally him. And I went up to him and, and was like, Hey, I hate to bother you, but are you Will Wheaton? And he was like, Yeah. And then he took a picture with me, he shook my hand, like just the nicest guy. Yeah. This is the guy in the world. Yeah. No, he's he's great. And so and then Lavar Burton, I, I adore um as well. Uh, we connected on um, on Twitter, and he's just been such a thoughtful human being in general. And I've I've been obsessed with him since reading Rainbow Days. So yeah. I, I have to go. I have to go Star Trek. Okay, so Star Star Trek. You're more of a Star Trek guy. Um, if you got to choose one, Marvel or DC, which Marvel. is your Marvel. Marvel. Okay. I mean, I, I I think DC has some great stuff. I I, I love the the Christian Bale Batman series. I think it's one of the best trilogies ever made. Uh, I just think the consistency uh, with Marvel is you, you just can't you can't contend with that consistency. I mean, they they have their misses where I'm like, ah, that wasn't the greatest element. But overall, their, their overall narrative and theme is is just they're so good at it. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what happens in this next chapter of the Justice League because I thought the Snyder Cut was actually pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. My my kids enjoyed it. But I think overall Marvel has a leg up right now. Just what they've done with Spider-Man, with, with Iron Man, um, it's a Captain America series. Uh, it's so good. And I'm excited about the the sequel to Black Panther as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, did you get a chance to watch Miss Marvel? Uh, yeah, yeah. My kids loved it, especially. It, it was great. Yeah, was great. I thought it was I thought it was great because like my son has he he knows of the Marvel stuff has never watched any of the MCU stuff. And we watched yeah. it together because I was like, this is perfect for a 13 year old boy. And he's like, yeah. I really like this. This is really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, how did you feel they did with their portrayal of, of Islamic faith and culture as far as like its depiction in this? Cause this is the first time we've really gotten to see a Marvel yeah. movie or series do anything with that. You know, I, I think you ask, you know, 10 Muslims, uh, their opinion, you'll get 11 different opinions. Um, so, you, you know, everyone will tell you something different. I thought they did a good job. Look, I, I think it's always, it's always a dance because with Islam, it's, it's, it is 
objectively the most culturally diverse religion in the world. And sure, you have your religious, you know, teachings, which are pretty consistent based on the Quran. There's only one Quran. It's the same Arabic. Um, <clears throat> but depending on what part of the world you go to, you know, culture is different, language is different, rituals are different, and, uh, you know, norms are different. <clears throat> this was, you know, skewed towards South Asians, which as a South Asian myself, I could associate with more. And some of the stuff just made me laugh out loud because I'm like, yeah, that's so true. It's the price stuff that went over the head of a, of a non-South Asian. Yeah. But for us, I was like, oh my God, you feel my pain. Um, um, everything from like the overly religious brother to like the, you know, the 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 overly protective parents to, you know, the the girl or the guy, young guy wanted wanting to be secular and trying to, you know, figure out what that balance is. I thought they did a good job. I, I didn't find anything that was like offensive or how dare you i mean there was stuff that i was like oh it's interesting it's an interesting approach but um i, I thought overall it was it was pretty well nuanced and, and well balanced and i i commend them on doing their homework i mean um there's always stuff you can improve upon but i, I thought for a first tryout definitely give them my stamp of approval that's great that's great to hear like because that's something that all i could do was just watch it i couldn't really critique it on in that aspect because yeah. I, I wasn't familiar with it but it mm -hmm. was it was really inviting and I was talking to a friend of mine who is Muslim as well and I was telling him I was like man I was like watching that I was like I wish that I could have grown up around a uh, family like that because they're yeah. given they're given um I'm trying to remember her friend's name her best friend they, they were just giving them food all the time I was like man that would have been great like yeah that, that's a reality if you yeah. go to a South Asian's home uh and and uh you you go full stomach you're doing yourself a disservice because if you don't eat you will offend them uh, as well. And, and yeah. it's it's funny, like in Pakistan, you could go to your arch nemesis home and they will give you tea. It's considered a bigger insult to, to not give somebody tea than it is for whatever reason that your arch nemesis for. So it's the hospitality is a big part of the culture. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, you, yeah, they did they did it justice. Yeah. So that's, that's good to hear. That is definitely yeah. good to hear. Well, Qasim, as always, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on here. Absolutely. Um, Share share with our, our listeners, like if they like some of your links, like give us give us your details, what you're what you're working on right now, so that we can support you as as yeah. much as we possibly can. I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm across social media at Kasim Rashid, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, I'm gonna start a Twitch. Actually, I, I started a Twitch channel. I'm gonna start to get more active on Twitch. Um, my website kasimrashid.com. So just my name is all you need, and all my social media handles. I was fortunate enough to to get that across the board. So um, find me there. Uh, if you want to support these candidates, I'm trying to get elected. These four women, three women of, women of color, to flip these red seats blue, throw a few bucks towards the pack. Um, if you want to support uh, my candidate, Dr. Benny White from Mayor of Naperville, would love that support as well. But just in general, uh, reach out, uh, engage with the content. Let me know what questions or thoughts you have. And you know, I, I appreciate Mike meeting people like you. It's uh, a bright part of my day, and uh, hopefully, we can keep uh, working together to, to make this country a little bit better today than it was yesterday for sure uh, again everybody it was Kasim Rashid so check him out all over social media check out his website KasimRashid.com but Kasim thank you again for your time uh, I really appreciate it my pleasure brother thank you for having me of course so big thanks to Kasim Rashid of course but also a big thank you to you as well thank you very much for listening to another episode of Mike Explores we'll be back soon with more content, with more things as we explore this world around us. Thank you all very much for tuning in. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach.
Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!